0: Well, hey everybody. It's Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode sermon, we are starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be talking about how we can all maintain happy and healthy relationships at home. And that's especially important right now during this time of social distancing because we are spending more time than ever inside of our houses with our spouses, with our kids, with other family members, and there are times when those relationships are feeling a little bit of friction right now. So, we want to spend some time in the coming weeks talking about what we can do to alleviate that friction and have the healthiest relationships possible. So with all of that in mind, let's get right into this morning's sermon. I want to start out our time together today by stating the obvious, and that's that the last month has been hard. It's been hard, and it all started for us in Kentucky back on March 6th, when the first confirmed case of the coronavirus reached our state. One month later, on April 6th, there were 1,008 confirmed cases in Kentucky and 59 deaths related to this virus. And those numbers continue to grow today. So over the last month, virtually every state has taken aggressive measures to stop the spread of the coronavirus. And most of those measures relate to something called social distancing. You know, it's kind of funny that just over a month ago, none of us had ever heard that term but now it's become part of our everyday lives. In Kentucky, this is what social distancing has looked like. Our schools, restaurants, movie theaters, hair salons, and gyms have all been closed since March 16th. On March 28th, the mayor of Louisville, Greg Fisher, was forced to order that playgrounds, basketball courts, and soccer fields in our city parks be closed down as well. In early April, all of the remaining non-essential retailers were ordered to close their doors and soon there were guidelines in place to make sure that we kept six feet apart while shopping for groceries or in our favorite home improvement stores. For us at Melbourne Heights, we have been closed to all in-person services and activities since March 15th, which meant that we missed out on all of our typical Easter celebrations this year. This means that for the last month, we've all spent the vast majority of our time in our own homes, And it's safe to say that that's starting to take a toll on us. Now, don't get me wrong. We all know that we need to be home right now. Because when we're at home, we're not coming into contact with other other people. So this virus can't continue to spread. But it's hard to be stuck at home. It's hard to be stuck at home. And spending almost every waking hour together is causing some friction in our families right now. I recently read an article by John Deanna who writes for the Arizona Republic where he admitted that he has snapped at his wife because she won't put her phone in silent mode and the click-click-clicking sound that it makes while she's texting has been driving him crazy. In another couple, the husband has actually asked his wife to stop chewing gum while they're together in the same room. And it's not just couples who are feeling this friction right now either. Parents and their kids are feeling the friction too. I've heard one dad who has said that it's almost impossible for him to work from home because every time he closes the door to his office, his kids come scratching at it like velociraptors trying to overthrow Jurassic Park. And sure, every parent was excited when Frozen 2 hit Disney Plus earlier than expected, but after watching this movie on repeat for weeks, we're all ready for our Disney Plus accounts to wander off into the unknown. And I'm starting to get a little bit afraid that my daughter might try to star in her own version of The Shining if I have to ask her to wash her hands with soap and water one more time. So with friction in our families running high right now, I want to spend our time together over the next few weeks talking about how we can maintain happy and healthy relationships at home. But before we get into that, it might be helpful if we spend some time talking about why we're feeling this friction In the first place. And the answer to that, the answer to why we're feeling this friction might actually surprise you. But here it is. We're feeling this friction because we were not meant to live alone. We were not meant to live alone. Now I know what you're probably thinking. You're thinking that you aren't alone. You aren't alone and that's what's causing the problem, the people around you. But that's not what I mean. What I mean is that our social interactions aren't supposed to be limited to such a small number of people. That's why we live our lives the way that we do during normal times. There's a reason that many people who can work from home still choose to go into the office, at least on occasion. And there's a reason why we don't mind sitting in a crowded movie theater to see a movie that was just released on opening weekend. There's a reason why we schedule playdates for our kids and we let them have overnight visits with their grandparents. There's a reason why we go out to lunch with big groups after church services on Sundays, even if it means that it's going to take a little longer before we get our food. We are social creatures. And right now, even though many of us aren't living in literal isolation, we are feeling alone. And according to research done for the Association for Psychological Science, our feelings of loneliness may be hardwired into us genetically. Now, to put this research as simply as I can, we as people, we need other people to survive. An infant needs another person to take care of her because a baby can't fix her own bottle or give herself a bath or change her own diapers. So she needs someone else. So we get these feelings of loneliness to act as an alarm, telling us that if we don't do something, we may not have people around us to take care of us or to support us later on. So loneliness prods us to reconnect with other people. And when we can't reconnect with other people, our stress and our anxiety levels rise, which makes us all a little more short-tempered. And I got to tell you, I believe these researchers are spot on. I think loneliness is hardwired into us, but I don't think loneliness is only genetically hardwired into us. I also think it is spiritually hardwired into us. And let me show you why that is. In just a minute, we're going to put some scripture up on the screen. But if you have a Bible close by, I want to encourage you to go ahead and grab it so that you can read this passage for yourself. And maybe highlight some of what we'll read or make some notes in the margins. And when you grab your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 2. And as you're finding it, let me tell you a little bit about the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It's the beginning of the Bible, and that's why we call it Genesis. The word Genesis means beginning. So in the book of Genesis, we find stories about beginnings. We find stories about the beginning of the heavens and the earth, the beginning of sin, the beginning of our faith. And in the story that we're going to be reading today, we'll read about the beginning of us, the beginning of humanity. This story starts in Genesis chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse 4. So here's what it says. On the day the Lord God made earth and sky, before any wild plants appeared on the earth and before any field crops grew, because the Lord God hadn't yet sent rain on the earth and there was still no human being to farm the fertile land, the Lord God formed the human from the topsoil of the fertile land and blew life's breath into his nostrils. The human came to life. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east and put there the human he had formed. In the fertile land, the Lord God grew every beautiful tree with edible fruit. And also he grew the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flows from Eden to water the garden. And from there it divides into four headwaters. The name of the first river is the Pishon. It flows around the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. That land's gold is pure, and the land also has sweet-smelling resins and gemstones. The name of the second river is Gihon. It flows around the entire land of Cush. The name of the third river is the Tigris, flowing east of Assyria. And the name of the fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the human and settled him in the Garden of Eden, to farm it, and to take care of it. All right, let's stop here for just a minute because it's important to understand what has happened in this passage so far. In this passage, God has created the first human. But that's not all that God has created. God has also created the perfect place for the human to live. God created a place called Eden, a fertile place filled with every beautiful tree and edible fruit that you can imagine. And God puts the human in charge of it all to oversee it and to take care of it. So God has made a human. God has given this human a place to live and God has given this human a purpose. So on the surface, it seems like humanity has everything that we would ever need to survive and to thrive. We have a home, we have plenty of food, and there is a purpose for our lives. So that makes what happens next in this passage... A little bit surprising. This is what we find in verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It's not good that the human is alone. I will make him a helper that is perfect for him. Now I want you to notice what God says here. God says it's not good that the human is alone. This is the first time in the Bible that God has said that something is not good. In Genesis 1, when God is talking about creation, he says that, Everything is good. But here, God sees that there is something missing. It's not good for the human to be alone. So God sets to work to fix the problem. God goes on to create every animal, but none of these animals that God creates are what the human needs. So God makes another human. But God doesn't just make this human out of thin air, which God totally could have done because he's God. Instead, God takes a part of the first human, a rib bone, and God uses that to make the second human. And when God does this, God forever connects us as people together. And God shows us that we were never meant to live alone. That's why we feel these feelings of loneliness. That's why we feel disconnected. We weren't meant to live alone. We were created to be connected. We were created to be connected. And why were we created to be connected? Well, Genesis 1 explains that to us when it tells us that we were created in the image of God. We are created in the image of God the Father, the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And we are created in the image of God the Son, the God who walked this earth experiencing everything that it means to be human so that nothing can separate us from God. And we are created in the image of God the Spirit, the God who lives in us and is at work in our lives and in the world around us right now. And we were created in the image of a God who is so deeply interconnected that you cannot separate the three from the one or the one from the three. So when we feel disconnected, it's because we are disconnected from our God-given nature. When we feel alone, it's because we aren't living our lives the way that God made us to live them. God created us to be connected. God made us to know and to be known by each other. God made us to love and to be loved by each other. So we need other people in our lives. And yes, I know. I know that you love your family, even when they are driving you up the walls. But our need to be connected to others isn't limited to our families. We need our children and our spouses, but we also need to be connected to our friends and our acquaintances as well. And like I said earlier, without these connections, our stress and our anxiety levels rise, which makes us all a little bit short-tempered. But right now, we are disconnected from many of the relationships that we need in our lives. And there isn't a whole lot that we can do about it. But what we can do... What we can do is focus on the people that are closest to us, the people that we are closest with, the relationships that we need the most, and make sure that they are as healthy as they can be during this trying time. So what do we do to maintain our healthy relationships at home? What can we do to maintain our healthy relationships at home? Well, to answer that question, I want to draw your attention to something that the Apostle Paul, who is the foremost missionary and theologian of his time, writes in a letter to the church in the ancient city of Ephesus. Now, Paul wrote this letter about 30 years after Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. And that's important for us to note here, because Paul is writing a letter to people who are still pretty new to their faith. And in Paul's time, everyone was pretty new to following Jesus. So he spends a good portion of this letter trying to teach the people in Ephesus about what it means for them to follow Jesus. So let's take a look at what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter four, and we'll start reading together in verse 17. It says, So I'm telling you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. You shouldn't live your life like Gentiles anymore. They base their lives on pointless thinking. And they are in the dark in their reasoning. They are disconnected from God's life because of their ignorance and their closed hearts. They are people who lack all sense of right and wrong and who have turned themselves over to doing whatever feels good and to practicing every sort of corruption along with greed. But you didn't learn that sort of thing from Christ. Since you really listened to him and you were taught how the truth is in Jesus, change the former way of life that was part of the person you once were, corrupted by deceitful desires. Instead, renew the thinking in your mind by the Spirit and clothe yourself with the new person created according to God's image in justice and true holiness. So Paul begins this passage by essentially telling the church in Ephesus that they are supposed to be different, that they are supposed to live different than the world and the people around them, who don't believe in Jesus. And that's something that we need to pay attention to as well. In these difficult times, we as people of faith are supposed to live differently than the world around us. And Paul goes on to tell us a little bit about what that looks like. So let's keep reading in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Here's what it says. Therefore, after you have gotten rid of lying... Each of you must tell the truth to your neighbor because we are parts of each other in the same body. Be angry without sinning. Don't let the sun set on your anger. Don't provide an opportunity for the devil. Thieves should no longer steal. Instead, they should go to work using their hands to do good so that they will have something to share with whoever is in need. Don't let any foul words come out of your mouth. Only say what is helpful when it is needed for the building up of the community so that it benefits those who hear what you say. Don't make the Holy Spirit of God unhappy. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other in the same way God forgave you in Christ." In these verses, Paul points out some, some things that we should not be doing as followers of Jesus. And obviously, all of these things can help us have healthier relationships at home. I mean, let me just reread those last two verses for you. Here's what Paul says. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind and compassionate and forgiving to each other in the same way that God forgave you in Christ. Now, if we just did all of these things, we'd have healthier relationships at home. But all of these things are just part of the bigger point that Paul is making here. And he drives that bigger point home in the next couple of verses. In Ephesians 5 verse 1, Paul tells us, Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. So if we want to have healthy relationships at home, we have to imitate God's love for us. We have to imitate God's love for us. And God's love for us is sacrificial. Literally. God came into this world, took on our flesh, and died for us. So if we want to have healthy relationships at home, we have to make sacrifices for our family. If we want to have healthy relationships at home, we have to make sacrifices for our family. And what does that look like? What does it look like to make sacrifices for our family? Well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the stories I told a little bit earlier, about the ways that some families are experiencing friction right now. Like the writer who can't stand that his wife won't turn her cell phone on silent. What does sacrificial love look like in that story. What does sacrificial love look like for the dad whose kids claw at his doors like dinosaurs whenever he's trying to get work done? What does sacrificial love look like for parents who are tired of watching the same movie over and over and over again? And what does it look like for kids who are driving their parents crazy by watching the same cartoons on repeat? When you stop and you think about these stories, you'll find that it's not hard to see how each person could be a little more sacrificial in their love. And the same thing is true for you. Wherever you're experiencing friction in your family right now, spend a little time thinking about how you could be a little more sacrificial in your love. And if we can all find ways to give a little more and to take a little less, I think we'll all find that our relationships at home can be healthier even in this hard time. Now, next week, we're going to dig deeper into this. And we're going to talk about some things that we can do to put ourselves into the shoes of the people that we live with to better understand them, to better understand their needs, and to better understand how we can love them. But for right now, what we need to hear is that to start having healthier relationships at home, it starts by imitating God's love for us. It starts by being sacrificial. So when you're feeling that friction in your life this week, think about how you can give a little more, how you can take a little less. Think about what you can do to show your love to your spouse, to your kids, to whoever else it is that you're living with in your home. And if you do, you can make those relationships at home some of the healthiest relationships that you have. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you now in this time of prayer, you know that all of us are still experiencing difficult times. You know that social distancing is taking its toll on us. You know that we are all starting to feel some friction with our family members that we're living with at home right now. But God, you don't want these relationships to be filled with friction. So my prayer, God, is that you help each of us to find ways that we can love like you love, that we can imitate your love for us by being sacrificial with each other. Allow us to find ways that we can give a little more, ways that we can take a little bit less, ways that we can go a little bit further to show our love for our spouses, for our kids, with our family members that we're at home with right now. And God, help all of us to remember That even though we're going through a tough time right now, that this is temporary. It will eventually pass, and we will eventually get into some sort of new normal for us. So God, don't let us do things during this time of social distancing that we'll regret later on. Let us love each other. Let us take care of each other. Let us support each other. Let us be there for each other, like you were always there for us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's Adam again, and thanks for listening to this episode of our Sermon Podcast. And I hope you've heard something in this episode that you can put to practice right away to help you build healthier relationships at home. And I want to remind you that that's what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about some practical things that we can all do to build healthier relationships with our spouses, with our kids, with those family members that we're living with during this time of social distancing. So let me encourage you, if you haven't already, to subscribe to our podcast so that our next episode will be straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're in that app, let me encourage you to just leave a review. There's a lot of people right now that are going through a tough time, that are feeling some of these frictions in their relationships, and your review can help get the the word out about this podcast to other people who need to hear it. So, as always, I hope you guys have a great week this week, and we will see you back here next Sunday for another sermon podcast.